When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a bi-week edition of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I am one of your hosts, Jared Pugar. I am joined by my co-host, Corey Geiger. Knock, knock, Corey. Oh, man, who's there? I love knock, knock jokes. Who's there? Karma. Oh, that's a good one, dude. Nice, nice. How about that? You look, uh, uh, it's a bi- here, here, so it's interesting, Jared, is, it's a bye week for Penn State. I don't know what the hell people do on bye weeks. I'm so used to covering Penn State football and being busy all day. You're covering Pitt, for goodness, during the bye week. But uh, I did get a chance to watch some of that Iowa-Purdue karma. That's a great – I mean, look. Uh, <laughs> look, but look, we can joke all we want. You boo injured players, you deserve to lose. And and I don't, you know, wish bad things upon teams – and. It can come across as sour grapes, maybe from the Penn State side, but uh, Iowa, Iowa just was—they handled that so poorly last last week that karma is the right way to say it. And listen, there there are not very many things that James Franklin and Pat Narduzzi agree on. Pat Narduzzi, of course, is the coach of Pitt, and they agreed on this. He backed him up this week, which is, I think, great. And, and I think that's expected because coaches back each other up when they're in the right. If he's in the wrong, I get it. But, you know, those are two coaches that really have a disdain for each other. And, and listen, Kirk Ferentz has done a great job at, at, at Iowa, but I, I don't think he was right in what he said about Penn State's players going down with injuries. And James Franklin said it himself. Why would we have our best players go down? Do you think that James Franklin would tell Sean Clifford, hey, pretend like you're hurt I don't think that's the case and when you're when your character is attacked as a coach that's when you go on the offensive and that's not okay to happen in a situation it does does happen around the country people fake injuries you can get you can go google some videos of people get you know faking an injury I think there was one a great one with Ole Miss and Arkansas I think might have been the game this week or this year where a lineman just all of a sudden just sits on the ground it does happen and fans can perceive things one way or another. It is fascinating, though. Jared and I are sports writers. We're trying to discuss interesting things, okay? Guys, we can talk about Sean Clifford and take one Roberson for 40 minutes here. We can talk about can Penn State beat Ohio State one way or another. The storyline this week, 
I mean, it's amazing how long it lingered, Jared. And by the time people are listening to this podcast, you know, it'd be the following week. It's, you know, but that's a story that just hung around and hung around. Kirk Ferentz talked on Tuesday. Franklin finally got a chance to talk on Wednesday. Iowa loses on Saturday. I, I, I can tell people from our perspective, from what Jared and I do, we're just looking to write good stories. And that story just... <laughs> It just uh, was kind of a godsend throughout the week. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, Nick Saban mentions rat poison all the time, right? And... And he's speaking of the media and, and, and speaking of the hype and, and, get, and reading too much into the hype. And, of course, Kirk France comes out and says he smelled a rat. And we've covered Penn State. Well, you've covered Penn State football for many, many years. I've covered it for the last six years. James Franklin, say what you want about him on game days and whatever, but James Franklin is not that type of guy um, where he would do something or encourage something. I think Penn State, um, for what it's worth, has done – and, and played the game the right way um, and almost to an extent too well, you know, when you talk about COVID protocols, because I'm sure there are a lot of schools that did not follow all the protocols last year. And I think James Franklin, obviously you see what Penn state was able to accomplish once those kind of were, were released. And, you know, when, like I said about the, the character thing is when you're, when your character is challenged or questioned, when your integrity is, is questioned, that's when you that's when you get on the defensive. And we saw James Franklin that nobody has seen in quite some time um, at Penn State. And and it made for great fodder. And it still is. Obviously, we're talking about it over a week later. And, you know, that's that's college football. And, you know, I think this might be a little bit of a rivalry brewing. Yeah, that's a, it is a nice little rivalry between Penn State and Ohio State. We do, or Penn State and Iowa, we do have a lot of great stuff we're going to talk about for people that are tired of the Iowa thing. In the second segment here, Jared and I are going to talk about who would win between Penn State and Pitt. I, I think that's a fun conversation. And Penn State fans are immediately going to say, ah, come on, you know, Penn State would beat them. Pitt, hey, Pitt's playing real well. Kenny Pickett might be a top 10 draft. So we're going to get to that in the second segment because I think that is fun. But I, I, I do want to throw this back out there again, Jared, about a, a bye week. Just what fans do. On a bye week, I know a lot of Penn State fans who travel to games. They either go to all the home games or they'll, you know, go on the road to a a, a game. So your Saturdays, your weekends are consumed by Penn State football. And it is I, I've covered Penn State nearly twenty years, and every time there's a bye week, I just feel I just feel bizarre, Jared. I feel like what am I supposed to do today? Do I actually get to watch other college football teams play? It was really weird because obviously I, I was called into pinch hit for, for Chris Carter, who covers uh, Pitt, who was away for the weekend and, and had today off. Um, so I got to watch Pitt football and we'll talk about that in the second segment, but you're right. You just don't know what to do. Like, you know, a typical game day for, for you and I, especially is, you know, we carpool to games regularly and, you know, typically we'll go up to the game about an hour and a half before. And, you know, if it's a noon game, that's 10 30, 11 o'clock. And, and if it's later, it, it's, there's just, it's just so weird today. It was kind of dreary out rainy um, uh, in Altoona, at least where we where we both live. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where you, I just, you're kind of just beside yourself. You don't know what to do. I got and watching a game and, and and being able to kind of turn your mind off where you're not yeah. analyzing every every single move, every single decision is is both refreshing and scary at the same time. Yeah, I, I tried to uh, take the day off and not do anything. But once Iowa lost, uh, you know, I saw all the reaction. We have a we have a, a nice fun little roundup story 
the headline is karma, as Jared mentioned in his knock-knock joke. We have a roundup story at DK Pittsburgh Sports from uh, from late Saturday night. You can check that out. Uh, I took my boy over to uh, one of our local football fields here, the field Jared's very familiar with at Mansion Park. We kicked some field goals. My boy's nine. Hey, Jared, he kicked a 15-yard field. No, nobody cares about this, but I care. He kicked a 15-yard field goal the other day. I, I think I might have a little kicker on my hands, Jared. It could be. It sounds like a nice little Martin Grammatica. Um, maybe even a Jordan Stout. I've heard his legs pretty uh, pretty, uh, pretty good for, for his age. But it's funny because, you know, again, you're just finding stuff to do, and I don't get to spend any time with my kids on a sat- on a football Saturday. Actually, I actually always like night games because you do kind of get to – enjoy the day a little bit but uh hey look we'll we'll close this segment here with the the whole Iowa thing Uh, I'm glad this is all over with let's put it in the past it is interesting because a couple people pointed this out Jared it does hurt the Big Ten a little bit because you wanted Iowa to be undefeated and going into the Big Ten championship game Uh, and either Penn State or Ohio State you want to beat a good team that kind of thing I was not real good I think they might be one of the worst number two teams that we've seen really in a while a buddy of mine pointed out south florida rose up to number two <laughs> a hand a handful of charlie years ago. strong then, yeah that's right but this iowa team was not was never a number two team but uh you know now the big 10 west is weak the big 10 east has all the powerhouse teams and you know clearly i don't see anybody standing in the way if clifford can come back it's Penn State, Ohio State, and really kind of everybody else. Yeah, and and let's be real here. You're at home, and you get bounced by a Purdue team that put up 24 points. I mean, it depends, Iowa's offense is not good, right? <laughs> um, but you get bounced by 17 to a to an unranked Purdue team, and you're the home team. You know, Jeff Brahms had Kirk Ferentz's number. I think I saw that he's um, four and one against. Um, against um iowa in his tenure you know you talk about uh jim harbaugh not um not beating uh ohio state (laughs) well iowa's got to win those big games too whether it's purdue (laughs) or penn state and you know that's something france hasn't really done yeah no question they've had a lot of success um out there and i've always respected kirk ferentz a lot i lost a lot of respect for them last week but i will say as we wrap this part up, James Franklin's, I'll call it performance, but James Franklin's uh, press conference last Wednesday where he goes on for five minutes, pulls out a piece of paper, knew he was going to get asked about it. I've never seen him that angry. We've seen him passionate before. He was really passionate after the Ohio State loss a few years ago when he mentioned the elite comment. Uh, but this was as angry as I've ever seen James Franklin. So I will guarantee you <laughs> James Franklin had a big smile on his face for a good bit of the day Saturday. Absolutely. And and with that, it's now, Pat, we're now on to Illinois. We're on to the rest of the podcast. We'll catch you here after this break on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Let's talk about Commonwealth football, Corey. Uh, I covered this will be Pitt. fun, man. 
I covered the pit game. They took on Virginia tech dominated the game. Kenny Pickett, I think is the real deal. Um, Penn state obviously has the buy. The big debate is always, 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 always should Pitt and Penn state play. Some say yes. Some say no. Some say we don't really care. Corey, where do you stand on that? I really don't want to see the series renewed. I wouldn't mind if they play a couple times a decade or maybe every 14, 16 year. Penn State has other priorities. Penn State has three non-conference games a year. They're going to play one big opponent and then two easy wins. I don't want that big opponent to be pit every year. I want to see Auburn. I want to see West Virginia. I want to see you know, the likes of a Virginia Tech or or maybe we could get Notre Dame or Alabama or I've always wanted to see Oklahoma. I mean, there are a lot of uh, possibilities to play other than Pitt. Those, those Pitt weeks are fun. And the reason we're talking about this is because uh, Jared saw Pitt beat uh, Virginia Tech, beat them down at Lane Stadium 28-7. Not many people go into Lane Stadium and just pound the Hokies, but that's what Pitt did. And Kenny Pickett is for real. Now, when we so we we thought it'd be fun to say who would win between Pitt and Penn State this year? Could we see it in a bowl game? Maybe could we see Penn State versus Kentucky in a bowl game? That would be fun with Will Levis versus Sean Clifford. But it, it, Penn State, you know, with Sean Clifford can do a whole lot of things because that defense is good. But the way Pitt has played, the way Kenny Pickett has played, Jared, we can look at the loss to Western Michigan, which I still cannot wrap my mind around. They give up 44 points at home and lose to Western Michigan. It's a different Pitt team. They've got Clemson this week. Clemson's not really good at all. I, I look, I'm, I, I try to – I think it would be a hell of a game between Pitt and Penn State. And as good as Kenny Pickett is playing, I could see Pitt beating Penn State, which I would not have thought at all after – Pitt lost to Western Michigan. Right. And I said this in my, in my story uh, about it, it you know, you, you, at, at times watching a Pitt football game is kind of like a roller coaster. And I've been able to cover a couple Pitt games. Um, and when they played Penn state, of course. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's really crazy because you always expect them to kind of maybe not so much, you know, dominate like they did today, but like you, in the third quarter, there was momentum coming um, for, uh, for Virginia Tech, and they stifled them. And you don't – it just seemed like this game could have turned at, at any point. At that point in time, it was 28 to nothing. Kenny Pickett scored three touchdowns, two um, in the air, one on the ground. And, you know, you just kind of expected Pitt to, to pit. You know, Pitt's a verb now. Like that Western Michigan, you lose to a directional Michigan, and it, 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 you sh- that shouldn't happen, and it shouldn't happen at Heinz Field, right? And – and that's just, that's football, but that's always something that Narduzzi has had an issue with is they lose the game that they shouldn't. And then of course they win a game that they shouldn't either. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just one of those deals. And that's what makes kind of it, it entertaining and it's a roller coaster ride. And I can understand why Pitt fans, their heart rates have to be spiked in red line almost all the time on Saturdays. Well, well I was going to mention this in our first segment, but it just goes to show if Sean Clifford would have stayed in the Iowa game, Penn State would be the number two team in the country. But because he got hurt, they lose. And and if he can't play for a while, we're wondering how many more games they'll win. And we'll talk more about that here in the third segment later on. But I think even with Sean Clifford, if Pitt and Penn State played on a neutral field, because Pitt's Park would be a good place for that, Corey. There we go. How about that? Uh, Because Pitt's defense has played better, and because Penn State can't run the ball. Look, I, I. if I had to pick right now today on a neutral field, 
because of Kenny Pickett, I think I would pick Pitt to win by one or two points. That's going to anger a lot of Penn State fans, and I'm not hating on Penn State. I'm just a little bit more sold on Pitt because they can run the ball and their defense is playing better. Now, if Pitt goes out and gets pounded by a, a, a really mediocre Clemson team next week, hey, we can revisit, revisit this, uh, uh, Jared. But I want to put you on the spot. If Pitt and Penn State played on a neutral field right now, and let's say Sean Clifford is healthy, who wins that game? You know, I think it's tough because I think Pitt and Penn State are a lot more similar than than anybody ever wants to admit. You know, you've got an experienced signal caller in Clifford and Pickett. I think Pickett over the course of his career has been a lot more consistent. Um, but I think both defenses are very similar. They both play a stifling style, a suffocating style. Um, I think Penn State is prone more to the big play uh, defensively. I think they're a lot more aggressive. Um, up front than than Narduzzi's style of defense. I think, you know, Narduzzi's secondaries are always pretty, pretty strong. Um, but you know what? I, I think skill-wise, uh, Penn State would have the edge with the receivers. I think running game right now, Pitt has has the edge there. Um, Abby Candy was a stud for them. That's uh, um, Israel Abby Candy. And you know what? Penn State has just not established a running game up front. I think, you know, defensively, I think it's a push, and I think the secondary is a push too. I think the defenses are are very very similar. Is Pitt's um, Pitt secondary as good as Penn State secondary? Penn State secondary is outstanding. Right, and I think that if there's if there's ever an edge, I think it would go to to Brisker and, and Penn State on on the defensive side of the football. But I, I would I would I think that would be a very fun game. But I would also hate for it to I I would hate for a game like that to be played somewhere other than the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, I, yeah. because I don't like to agree with you, I would probably take Penn state by three. Um, you don't like I, to agree with me. Why? I'm very agreeable. It doesn't make for good podcasting. I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. People need to disagree more, but look, I, I, that's one thing about the bowl games that you said, bowl games are looking for money. <laughs> bowl games are looking to put butts in the seats. They're looking for TV ratings. And, uh, you know, sometimes if you can get national programs matching up, Penn State versus somebody else, you know, um, you might do, but Penn State versus Pitt is huge in this state, but that's why, you know, I always wonder if these bowl games really ever even consider that. I will throw this out because again, I'm not, I'm not joking. Kentucky is six and one, man, who would not love seeing Will Levis versus Sean Clifford? I think that would be <laughs> now, now again, Penn State's got a long way to go to get there because, they've got to get Sean Clifford back or else they could be seven and five or eight and four, but Penn state versus Pitt in a bowl game, Penn state versus Kentucky in a bowl game. I think those would be terrific, man. You can sign me up for either. No, I agree. And, and, you know, that's, I mean, Penn state and, and Kentucky have faced off uh, more recently uh, in the citrus bowl and to that uh, new year's day in uh, 2019. Um, and you know what? Hey, say what you want. I think it'd be fun. You know, Mark Stoops is a good coach. Uh, the entire Stoops family, I was able to talk with Bob Stoops at uh, big 10 media day. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but you know what? Hey, it's, they want to, it's all about the money. College football is all about the money, right? You know, as, as much as we can sit here and talk about how great the traditions and, and, and really the pageantry around game days are, it's all about the money. It's the ratings. It's why Fox big Saturday games are four hours long it's commercials it's it's money penn state's a big draw penn state pit outside of the commonwealth of pennsylvania not the biggest of draws now maybe to penn state fans that are spread up throughout the country but 
Penn State, Michigan, or Penn State, um, uh, Kentucky, Penn State, and against an SEC school, a higher tier SEC school like a Florida, Justin Shorter, um, you know, uh, maybe even an Alabama. I don't think that they would play this year, but that those are what's going to draw ratings and they want ratings you know the, the outback bowl or whatever nobody's tuning in because it's the outback bowl they obviously they want maybe a blooming onion or two or some shrimp on the barbie but you're tuning in to see who's playing right and and, and hey, if man, it's how about in State kentucky hey yeah maybe. what if alabama loses to georgia penn state loses to ohio state you got both of them at 10 and 2 I'll take I'll take Penn State Alabama. I think Alabama would beat Penn State pretty easily, but I'll take that matchup. That would be fantastic. Oh, it'd be fun to watch. I mean, anytime you get to, and that would be a game that I would listen. I know that we're not really traveling, and we're actually going to be heading out to Columbus here um, in a couple of weeks. But I would love to go see Saban in person and, and just kind of you know see what he's like during a game week with the media. We don't really get to see that up here we get to see james franklin and, and really this is this week was probably the coolest time and, and and like we said in the first segment pat or pat narduzzi and james franklin agreed on something and that that is just i think that's what we're trying to wrap our heads around there's something that unifies the commonwealth quite like that the two coaches agreeing in unison i'm not quite sure if hell's frozen over or if it's unthawing yet or not but that was a that was a sight to behold this week. But seeing Franklin against Saban, I think, would be a lot of fun. And and obviously, you've got the Bill O'Brien storyline with that too. So I think that would be kind of cool. Um, but hey, you know that's that's college football. And I think that's the beauty of it too, is that one ga- you're always one game away from from being bounced. Now I'm very interested to see how far Iowa drops um, in the pools because of this loss. Because you look at quality of losses, right? Which is a really weird thing to say, but at the game, at the time of the game. And I, I think that's something that you have to kind of look at too, because at the time of the game, when Penn state beat Auburn, Auburn was ranked so-and-so right it, what they do after that. It, it, I, I don't know it necessary to values the win at that time. It, it might devalue kind of the strength long-term, but that's something too is, Hey, they lost Iowa lost to the uh, unranked Purdue team at home. Penn state loses to the number three ranked team, on the road with a backup quarterback. It's just the quality of the loss, I think, that that is kind of mind-boggling. Like Alabama and Texas A&M, they lose on the road at an unranked Texas A&M. And, hey, lo and behold, here we are. So I think Penn State will be ranked ahead of Iowa. By the time people listen to this podcast, a lot of, you know, we'll, we'll already know because it comes out Sunday afternoon. Uh, I would, I, I believe Penn State will be ranked ahead of Iowa. I think the pollsters will maybe add as they've had, even though Iowa beat them, I think as the pollsters realize maybe more about Clifford not being there. Uh, what, what do you think, Jared? I think Penn State, I don't know exact numbers, maybe Penn State seven, Iowa's eight, give or take. Yeah, I think everybody just slides up. You know, Cincinnati's going to be the number two ranked team. Although, um, you know, as we're recording this, um, Oklahoma is just going – um, off right yeah. now against TCU um, and <laughs> Caleb Williams show, you know, yeah. we talk about Oklahoma and kind of the instability of the Sooners, but now that they found Caleb Williams, I'm still trying to wrap hey. my head around the fact that they let Spencer Rattler play in as many games with, with this kid on the bench. Spencer Rattler was the projected number one pick in the draft coming into this year. And now he's fallen out of the first round. It looks like, and Caleb Williams was the number one recruit in the country. I, you know, Oklahoma was messing. No, 
let me preface all this by saying that they don't play any damn defense in the Big 12. I mean, the Big 12 is laughable to me for the lack of defense. I, I've been paying attention to the Oklahoma uh, TCU game as, as the night goes on. Uh, you know, so I, I take the numbers in the great in the Big 12 with a grain of salt. Uh, but Caleb Williams has changed that team. I mean, we were wondering if Oklahoma could hang on. Uh, and they were down big against Texas. Now Oklahoma is absolutely very much still in the running to go undefeated and get to the college football playoff. Because one loss for Oklahoma may bounce them all together. Uh, but, man, making that quarterback switch, Caleb Williams is not going to win a Heisman. You don't, make a, you don't get win a Heisman for half a season. But, but I've said all along, Sean Clifford's the most important player to his team in all of college football. And, and that is true, but the switch to Caleb Williams, man, oh man, what a massive, massive thing that's been for the Sooners. You know, it's funny that, that we mentioned that. I mean, you look at, I'm looking at the box score right now, and in there, it, at the time of this recording, there's about five minutes left in the in the game. And, you know, Max Dugan for, um, for TCU is thrown for 346 yards and four touchdowns. Caleb Williams, 295, four touchdowns, also a touchdown on the ground. He's got 66 yards rushing. It's, you know, you every coach wants an easy decision. You don't like to make the hard decisions because somebody that you've recruited that you want to play for your program has come to this program, wants to play, wants to do what's best for the program. Sometimes that means making that decision. And, and listen, Rattler was supposed to be this, this great quarterback. And we just did not see that. And, and him and Caleb, he and Caleb, Caleb Williams, they're two polar opposites as far as technique and as far as style go, but the Caleb Williams that we're seeing, now is more reminiscent of the Baker Mayfields, the Jalen Hurts types type of Oklahoma offenses, which has really been Lincoln Riley's specialty. And you're right. In the Big 12, they don't play defense. I don't think that's – I think that's, you know, hey, it is what it is. That's it, why it was called a shootout for the longest time, not a showdown. It's because they put up points um, in a lot of those games. But, you know, it, it's the thing. Was Caleb Williams better in camp? We don't know, and, and obviously we didn't find that out because uh, this week because guess what? They didn't have any media access um, at Oklahoma because a, a student reporter got on top of a public building with some binoculars and, and really rattled some cages at, at Oklahoma. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's you know, that's, the, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what's crazy about college athletics, the privacy and, and just the paranoia is second to none. And listen, everybody's trying to gain an edge, blah, 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 blah. But hey it's okay to make those hard decisions. And, and this might be a, a season saving um, decision for, for Oklahoma and company. All of this discussion is a perfect segue for our next segment about the importance of the backup quarterback. Oklahoma's got a backup quarterback. Texas A&M beat Alabama with a backup quarterback. Does Penn State have a backup quarterback? We're going to find out right after this break on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Back on the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. You know, 
I'm a pretty good backup in my role, whether it's helping on the pirates, whether it's helping with some things with the Steelers and the, and the pit Panthers today, they don't make them all like me, Corey. They don't make them all like Caleb Williams. What goes into being a good backup? And do you think Penn state has the right backup on the team? There's no reason to believe right now that Sean Clifford will play against Illinois. The hope is that he could play against Ohio State here in a, a couple of weeks and the Penn State can beat Illinois with the defense and everything. Um, it, it, it's apparently a common football injury. Does that mean a collarbone? Does that mean a rib? Does that mean he was holding his back as he walked off the field? Uh, into the tunnel we, we don't know all we can do is speculate and I, people don't like to speculate about injuries to college kids but Penn State's not going to tell us anything so I mean Sean Clifford there's a there's a picture of him in a pumpkin carving contest Jared <laughs> on Saturday so he can carve pumpkins um so his wrists and hands aren't broke yeah should we read anything into that uh, I don't know hell I mean that that's what I remember let me tell a real quick story I remember Rob Bolden got hit, uh, I think it was Minnesota, in 2011. He hit his head, uh, and he had a concussion. And he was tweeting later Saturday or Sunday. People thought that because he could tweet, he could play football. <laughs> that, that's how we look at what these athletes do, and we think, okay, well, if you can do that, you'll be okay. Uh, Sean, Sean Clifford's in a pumpkin carving contest. He can play some, we don't know. We, I mean, we have no idea if, if Sean Clifford, if it's a, if it's a collarbone, if it's a, a rib, that stuff can be pretty painful. Um, can they give him medicine? What Jared, do you use it? Do you use the phrase numb it up the other day on my radio show? I did Corey. I listen, I mean, they have access to, to advanced yeah. medical technology. I mean, if you can, if you can play through some pain, I mean, you look like a, a guy like Brett Favre. I mean, that dude had, injury after injury. And I, I'm sitting here in my office in my house and I, I look to my right and on my bookshelf, I have an autographed mini helmet of Steve McNair, who was my, one of my favorite players growing up right above my autographed Tim Tebow batting gloves um, game used and very during his minor league baseball career. Um, always like to have God on my side, but you know, those players played tough. They played tough football and, and they played through a lot of pain and can Clifford do that? Can he manage the pain? I mean, let's be real. If, if, if he wanted to come back against Iowa, he would have. And we mentioned the Citrus Bowl a couple of years ago. That was the first time really Penn State's let out a, a lot of information as far as a player. Um, they came out and said that the Sean, or not Sean Clifford, but Trace McSorley at the time had broken his foot and would be out for the game. He comes back and seemingly no, there are no issues. Um, of course, Penn State ends up losing that game. But, you know, they're not going to tell us, and, and that's okay. I, I mean, obviously – you know, for the sake of, of telling stories, you want to know, you want to have access to that information, but at the same time, you got to respect that privacy of the player as well. But, you know, if, if, if it's something that you can play through at that point, it's just pain management. If you can get a shot to numb it up and then that lasts the three hours for the game, that's great. Uh, because I think a 75% Sean Clifford is better than any of the other options that the Penn state has right now. Yeah. And so we're going to, I think we're going to see Roberson this week. And then they'll give Clifford time to maybe see what happens for Ohio State. They probably feel like they can get through Illinois with Roberson. And look, um, what kind of quarterback is Take One Roberson? We've seen very little. He's played 
virtually no meaningless snaps until the Iowa game. I thought he was inconsistent and kind of inaccurate in the two open scrimmages we saw in April at Beaver Stadium. But he was a four-star kid. He's the man now. He got the first team reps this week. So he'll get the first – in the bye week. He'll get the first team reps during the Illinois week. If you're a competitor and you know now is my time, now is my time, and and there, there is some for some people it can click. Did it click against Iowa? No. Did he have much of a chance with his offensive line false starting every other damn play? And it's third and twenty-eight. Not really. Okay. So what kind of quarterback is Take One Roberson? I'm really looking to looking forward to finding out against Illinois, and we'll see. Um, I do not think, I mean, unless he is just the second coming of whatever, that they're going to beat Ohio State with him. But you do have a couple of weeks. You got a couple of weeks to find out. Everybody's fingers crossed. Because, look, here's the thing, Jared. Let's get into this. How much rides on Sean Clifford coming back? He comes back, maybe they go 10-2, He doesn't come back, they go 7-5. Is USC interested in James Franklin at seven and five, Jared? No, of course no. not. No, no. Is USC interested in James Franklin at 10 and two? Absolutely. Okay. Can I make a case then if you connect the dots with me? Maybe James Franklin's future depends on if Sean Clifford can come back healthy or not. Because if, Sean, if he doesn't and they go seven and five, they were four and five last year. That's just one of the many things if Sean Clifford comes back and he plays well, he goes to the draft. If he mm-hmm. comes back and he doesn't play well or he can't come back and he's hurt, he probably has to come back to Penn State next year. What does that do to the quarterback situation? What does that do to Drew Aller with his potential? What does that do to the transfer portal? There are so many questions because of one guy. It is amazing. Jared, you're a football coach. Next man up, next man up, next man up. You can talk about everybody on the team being equal. It ain't, that's not the case. This guy and his status determine a huge number of factors for the next year or two of the Penn State football program. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, coming into the season, Sean Clifford was the guy, that, the most important player, because I think, you know, one of the things that, that you can look at right now is that the most important player might not be your best player, but he's the most important guy to their success. Um, and a lot rides on his arm and his legs and, and the rest of his body for that matter. Um, but you look at, you know, you look at the situation that Roberson's kind of fallen into. You want you want to always be prepared, and, and the the old the old adage is you prepare like you're the starter. Well, that is pretty impossible when you're in practice mode. That's right, right? because you're practicing with the second teamers. You have that rapport. You're you know, or, or even some weeks you're practicing with the with the practice squad, and and and, the, and that's okay. That's part of being a backup. That's you know, but you're right. It, uh, being a backup is very, very important, clearly. Um, and, and you have a big, a big role there, but you know, you hope that um, you hope that you, they can kind of turn it around and, and really get back to some sort of, of quality football. And, and really, you know, I, I love to say this and I, and I think this is really true, not just because I say it, but when you get on campus, your star ratings go away at that point, it's all about development. So how much is, has he developed over the course of his time at Penn State? There's been quite a few of offensive coordinators for Roberson since he got to Penn State. And, you know, yeah. 
that's the situation too, because not only, you know, we talk about Sean Clifford having five different uh, offensive coordinators or however many, well, Roberson's had almost as many, you know, and, and that's something too that you really don't think about, but just because the, the starters going through it, so is the rest of that quarterback's room. And these offenses as we're seeing are much, much different. And Roberson was the third string guy last year behind Will Levis. Roberson didn't get many, many important reps last season. Probably none. This yeah, he, he might have gotten mop up duty late. I think against Illinois was his first. Yeah, yeah. You, he got in a game, but I'm talking about yeah. practice reps of oh, any right. of any of any caliber. You were getting Will Levis ready to play because Sean Clifford wasn't very good last year. Right. Then you come in this year and you've got Yersich. What's your number one priority? Your number one priority was to get Sean Clifford ready. Okay. I mean, so if you've got a typical situation, the backup, you would think Jared would get a lot of reps and get a lot of experience and opportunities and so on and so forth. But in this year where you've got a new guy coming in and you didn't have spring ball or summer ball last year because of COVID, they had to probably spend an even in more inordinate amount of time getting Clifford ready, which means how much time could they realistically spend on Roberson? How much of the offense does take one Roberson? No. Does he have the full package? Does he have 50% of it? Does he have 75% of it? You would think whatever percentage he had now during this two week period, the bye week and then the pre Illinois week, you would think they're going to really, really, really hone in on what he does well. You don't need to know 100% of the offense real well to beat Illinois. You had better damn well be able to do 50, 60% of something really good just in case, you know, craziness that happens. This is going to – this is this this is the best worst-case scenario for Penn State. Clifford gets hurt, has to sit down, and, and Roberson's in charge. Well, the game ends, they lose, but they get a bye week to do some Roberson – tailored offensive you know get get some of those plays and tailor it to um to roberson you get an illinois team which you know uh, this is no disrespect to brett bielema penn state is infinitely better than illinois on paper obviously what happens between the lines on saturday is yet to be determined but roberson should be able to handle them he's not going to play nearly as bad as he did against iowa i think it's safe to say that if he does penn state's got a hell of a lot more problems than we even thought that they did That's at right. that point. So it was the best worst case scenario. You have time to, to develop here on the fly, put in some, some more, more plays tinkered towards or, or tailored towards what Roberson can provide with his legs and his arm. And, and Hey, now you, now you got to see what you're going to get. But now this also, you know, let's, let's think about this here because there's going to be strategery put into the into play here because obviously if Clifford doesn't come back for Illinois now Ryan Day and Ohio State have to prepare for both Roberson and Sean Clifford and those two are polar opposites from what it seems on the field yeah that's a good point and that's why we're not going to know anything we're not going to get a depth chart <laughs> they're not going to tell us anything yeah, we, they're not we're we're we are never ever going to get any more Penn State information ever I mean really that's just where we are Jerry and I are in the media we want information so we can tell you guys you guys want information so that you can feel informed about the team that's how this has always worked uh when the depth charts went away this year man 
James Franklin never talks about injuries any, any, anymore. Uh, and if we even ask about it anymore, he gets upset. So w- folks, <laughs> we are never going to get information on injured Penn State players again. And that's to the benefit of your program. Why would Ron, why would you want to tip your hand in any way? I wonder, Jared, is Sean Clifford going to be on the sideline in a uniform on Saturday against Illinois? I think that's an interest because as you pointed out, it, at least give the thought that he is ready if if indeed he's even close. Do you play the strategy, as you said, put him in a uniform, even if he's not going to play? I mean, there are are some interesting cat and mouse games you can play there. I'm just glad you said mouse instead of rat, Corey. Um, Nice. But no, you're right. I mean, that's that's a tough thing because you never want to, you know, you never want to tip your hand. Right. And and, nor should you like we're we aren't ever going to get any information from Penn State and rightfully so. We don't (laughs) I mean, as much as it would help us do our jobs at times, you know, Hey, listen, is a depth chart really that important? No, but to Ohio State and whoever, absolutely it's important. Hey, but they, they honestly, they know that before we do anyway. They Ohio State knows who's going to play, what situation, you know, what, what's, what's the percentage of them running and passing when the sky is, is falling or the sun is out and it's 65 degrees or below. They analyze every little move they make, grass, turf, third down, fourth down, fourth and five. Sorry to bring that up again, but it's just one of those situations. So they know, everybody knows the media, eh, they don't care about us, but, but that, that's, that's kind of the, the, the cat, those cat and mouse games are what makes it entertaining. It's, you know, Hey, what is, what are they thinking? Do we have to plan for Sean Clifford? Is Mason Stahl going to play? What, what can we do? I mean, you, you, can only plan so much, but you do have to account for those options. You know, like let's say a Rutgers team, they had to prepare to see Will Levis play and, and Will Levis run the ball 17 times in a row and not throw a pass. So, I mean, it's it, it just, that's, that's kind of the, the, the more intriguing parts of, of coaching. It, it's, you don't want it to give any information and the information that you want to give is really, really irrelevant. Yeah, and uh, we're all looking forward to seeing, you know, what Taquan Roberson can do. We know Penn State's defense is good. That will be a major, major factor. Uh, obviously, Illinois' offense is not very good. Uh, I'm real curious to see how the week plays out. By the time people listen to this podcast, we'll, you know, maybe uh, Monday, Tuesday, we might have more information or uh, more indication about something. Maybe, maybe James Franklin might give us a sliver on Tuesday of how well Taquan Roberson is picking up the offense. You would hope so. But uh, here we are. I mean, we have a week. Um, Everybody's just assuming Penn State's going to beat Illinois. I am assuming that as well. And then the season comes down to Ohio State, as we all knew that it was or or that it would. Jared and I will be in Columbus, as he mentioned earlier. So all the goals are still there, Jared. All the goals are still there. You get Sean Clifford back, you got a shot to go 11-1. and get to the playoff you don't get Sean Clifford back yikes um who, who the heck knows right and and that's kind of the that's where we're at with that with Penn State right now and and you know what if Clifford comes back I think they're 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 fine I think you know they're going to go into Columbus I think what we're going to see there is, is going to be um a really really good game 
Now you look at, at kind of everything, you know, the six, seven and eight teams, Penn state, Ohio state and Michigan didn't play um, Friday night, or I'm sorry, Friday or Saturday night. Cause I guess there are Friday games, uh, Michigan state won. Uh, they beat um, Indiana by five, 20 to 15, um, which is about as Indiana of a game as you can imagine. Um, so they're probably going to move up. I'm, you know, it's going to, it could end up being, you know, one of those situations, it's going to be a top 10 tilt um, in Columbus. It's going to be a fun game, but obviously it's still, they got to get through Illinois and they've got to get Sean Clifford healthy. If he's health, if he's not healthy, you know, we don't know how we don't know that. And, let's, and, you know, we let's just have don't. some fun with this. Let's close with this. Yeah. I want you to get your thoughts. What is the point spread Penn state versus Ohio state at Ohio state with Sean Clifford? And then what is the point spread Penn State, Ohio State would take one Roberson? I think Ohio State's favored by three um, if Clifford is in control. And I think um, Ohio State's two touchdown favorites if, um, if Roberson's quarterback. I'll go seven if Clifford's playing, and I'll go about 18 if Clifford's not playing. And here's the thing. We may never even know because Vegas, Vegas may be so worried about that kind of stuff that it could, you know, they could hold the line, you know, or what have you. But uh, that, I mean, it's obviously a huge, huge difference. Man, Jared, I'm looking forward to Illinois, but the Illinois game. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the kid can do. That's right. The fighting Illini, I'm very interested to see how Roberson plays, how the offense is tailored to his, uh, his skill set. I think the Penn State defense shows up and they do their thing. I, I honestly don't think that, um, that Illinois scores more than 14 points. Um, but I'm very interested to see how the offense looks with Roberson um, at the helm. And I'm very interested to see how Penn State handles the Clifford injury leading up to Illinois and leading up to um, to Columbus and their and their uh, their battle with Ohio State here uh, within the next couple of weeks. For everybody that's stuck through this whole thing, Jared and I are going to try to have a second podcast in the middle of the week here uh, for maybe the remainder of the season. He, he can come on my radio show. We'll post that we did last week. So generally on a Wednesday or a Thursday, we can post that second podcast. That's right. The more the merrier as far as uh, Penn State is concerned, as far as Corey and I uh, are concerned as well. And then once football season ends, the hope is for us to, to get me into the, into the studio with Corey and um, have at least one day a week where, where we're talking sports. And that could just be anything um, and maybe even music. Because Corey introduced me today or right. this week to uh, to blow by Kesha, and I think it's now Corey's favorite song. I, I have a thing on my radio show where I, when we have a guest on, I have them tell their favorite song, and then I play a little bit of a of a clip from YouTube. Jared had uh, blow from Kesha. My favorite song is American Pie from Don McLean. Long, long time ago. I love I love music history. It's a great song, and. You know, it would take us probably about 25 minutes just to get through it. But instead, we're going to go right into to the next week. It's Illinois week. We will catch you on the flip side. We'll catch you after the game next week on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. For Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Pruger on the We Are Podcast. <laughs>